0: This is the Passive Income Investor Podcast, hosted by Matt Dorn and Aaron Merriman. This is Aaron Merriman. This podcast features discussions and interviews related to conservative passive income investing. We focus on long-term wealth building and tax-efficient income strategies. Thank you for joining us today on the Passive Income Investor Podcast. Uh, for those of you that listened to our last episode, we teed this episode up a bit in talking about Opportunity Zones. So. So today, in, in Opportunity Zones, uh, for those of you that, that aren't familiar, um, it's, some, it's some legislation that was passed and created uh, almost four years ago now that identified different areas uh, around the country um, that were, you know, underserved, kind of blighted areas. And there's some tax incentives around that, um, that you know, they, to stimulate growth and, and, and stimulate, you know, economic impact in these areas. Um, you know, for for the, and then, and so that's what we're going to talk about today uh, and, and kind of the pros and cons of that um, and and really delve into it because for those that are looking to invest into Opportunity Zone projects, whether it's direct uh, as a sponsor or indirect, there there's lots of things uh, to think about. For those of you that are new to the podcast, my name is Aaron Merriman uh, with Lujan Merriman Development Group. We're a real estate company based here in Orange County, uh, Southern California. And we focus on smaller multifamily apartment buildings in really good areas. Our our typical project is five to 15 units. Uh, It's a coastal property and it's typically 75 to 100 years old. Uh, We like to completely renovate the project and really renovate it to compete with new construction. We're putting in air conditioning, in-unit washer, dryers, all the bells and whistles that you would expect from a brand new ground-up development. But what we're doing is we're packaging it in a micro-community experience, uh, which is very, very appealing uh, to our tenant base. Uh, Matt, so uh, Sage Wealth Planning.
1: Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, Good to be back. And yes, Sage Wealth Planning is a registered investment advisory firm domiciled in Northern Michigan. We are a comprehensive financial planning shop And part of a professional community that is really tax-focused. So comprehensive meaning we're looking across all the financial aspects of a client's life, seeking to optimize and harmonize the pieces, finding multiple points of leverage to achieve what they're trying to do in the most efficient manner, which is very different than just saying, you know, I'm at point A, I want to be at point B. Um, what do I need to contribute or earn to get from point A to point B? Um, comprehensive planning is an integrated approach that looks at all the moving parts and again, seeks to harmonize them to gain efficiency. And, and of course we, as, as we talk in every episode, one of the things that absolutely must be, um, baked into that kind of planning is tax. And so, um, I'm excited to talk about Opportunity Zone. It's a hot topic right now, specifically, even though, as you mentioned, it's it's something that's been around for nearly four years already, but because real estate has been a really hot um, investment class um, and people have done very well there, it's a, it's a topic that keeps coming up with the tax related to um, the investments that people have.
0: And you're you're right. It's it's a funny thing with opportunity zone uh, because it uh, again four years ago I think or close to four years ago was when they um, the the law was passed and it was very very hot. Uh, we took many many calls on that. Um, we actually own some property that is within an opportunity zone, and we'll we'll touch on that a little bit in this episode. Um, and and then it just kind of it kind of just died off for a while. Um, but it it is at least in, in the circles and with folks that I talk to, uh, has come back strong and we get a lot of calls about it. And I, there's a few things that I think that are driving that. Um, and, and certainly I don't claim to be an expert on the legal side or the accounting side of Opportunity Zone, but, um, what we're, what we're definitely seeing, and I think it's a run up because of you know the, the real strong appreciation that we've seen in the, the real estate market, at least where we operate uh, over the last couple of years, and then also what the stock market has done, right? Because part of what you're allowed to do is offset some of those gains that you may have made in the stock market and the tax obligation of that you can partially offset that tax obligation by putting it into an opportunity zone project and i know you'll talk about that in much more detail but i think that's kind of driving that too because there's that constant you know appetite for how do i lower my tax obligation
1: absolutely and and let's talk about the incentives right cuz that's one of the things that's really driving the behavior and incentives really do matter. I want to give a couple of examples of of how and where you see it. But um, before we do, just let's let's identify or define what Opportunity Zone is. So as you mentioned, it was a piece of legislation that was part of the Jobs um, Act, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, that um, identified as an economic development tool distressed areas across the United States that would receive special tax advantages for investment dollars. And the idea is, you know, if you create the incentives, it will bring the capital necessary to do the work. And, and but I think that's true across the board is, you know, the capital markets, their job is to raise capital. Um, but the tax laws and the incentives that come with them drive investor behavior. So if money's going to be treated better in one type of investment over another, I mean, those incentives matter. And the caveat that I would have about that is that there are thousands of areas that have been identified as opportunity zones. And there are hundreds, if not many hundreds of projects going on in those areas and anytime something becomes really kind of buzzworthy i think you got to be careful of when an incentive has become a marketing strategy <laughs> right so so think about what non gmo does to to the sale of food products or low fat or you know 20 years ago anything that was dot net <laughs> you know i it's not lost on us that, you know, marketers also gravitate toward, hey, this is top of mind for everybody right now. And so if we package what we have to offer in that way, it's going to garner more attention and interest. So I think you'll be really well equipped to talk about, you know, what Opportunity Zone means practically and all the different ways it's, it's playing out. But The tax advantages themselves, I can unpack a little bit right here. So in your business, Aaron, we've talked about this many times, somebody has invested in real estate, done very well, they end up selling the the real estate investment, and now they have a capital gain to pay, right? So they they sometimes are looking to do what, what we call a 1031 exchange that would allow them to deploy those proceeds into another real estate investment and keep the tax man waiting right uh, and and one of the challenges with that often is that the tax decision drives the next investment instead of the fundamentals of the investment driving that decision one of the things that is interesting about the opportunity zone however is that unlike a 1031 exchange that requires, all of the proceeds get redirected into a new investment, the opportunity zone allows for only the gain to be redirected. So the capital can come back and only the gain can be uh, reinvested. And that's an interesting wrinkle. you know. So somebody invested, let's say, $300,000 in, in, a, in a venture that they sold for four hundred dollars or five hundred, dollars rather than having to commit the whole amount to the new investment, they can go ahead and realize the sale of that capital asset. And it could have been a stock just as easily as a real estate property, but only have to redirect the gain into the opportunity zone and get some deferral of of tax, right? That's an interesting nuance. Should it drive the decision? Uh, I I don't think so, but it's an interesting nuance, especially when you look at it vis-a-vis the 1031, the second thing about the opportunity zone is that if done at the appropriate time and held for the appropriate time, some of the gain that's being deferred is also forgiven. So if I have a $100,000 capital gain that gets deployed into an opportunity zone, not only am I deferring paying on those gains, I might actually pay less than the $100,000 the hundred thousand dollar gain i have it it might be reduced to say ninety thousand dollars if the appropriate conditions are met and then the last thing about it is that if it is held for a minimum of 10 years the capital gain on the new investment also has some tax benefits right it it might it might wind up being tax-free so i'll just give you an example to bring this all around the bend and i'll kick it back to you is So I had an investment of like 300 grand, let's say, that turned into 400. I sold it. I redirected the $100,000 of capital gains into Opportunity Zone, which gave me additional time before having to pay those taxes. And if the conditions are met, maybe I'm only paying tax on 90,000 instead of the full 100. And then the 100,000 that I've invested, my hope there, obviously, is an investment that it will grow. So, if over time that 100 turns into 2, then I may not owe taxes on the gain either. Now, this is all very technical. Some very specific timeframes have to be met to realize these advantages. And for that reason, I think it's really important to do your diligence on the investment, not just to be swayed by the fact that I can delay paying tax or might have the opportunity to get a tax-free gain. Because what if it isn't a good investment? What, what if a taxable investment might have even done better, right? And th- those are the things that have to be explored um, at a deeper level rather than just saying, I need to defer this gain right now, so I'm going to go do the Opportunity Zone,
0: yeah and, and that's that's really the rub for me and what I see. And, and, and to be honest, this, this theme tends to it seems to kind of uh, resonate through all of our episodes that it's it's important to think about tax. It's important to plan for tax. It's important to optimize for tax. But you should never do a project or make an inv- uh, an investment solely because of the perceived tax benefit, because you're really setting yourself up to take a massive loss. And then you've got plenty of, you know, tax benefit, right? But you've cut your principal by who knows how much. And, and that's where with Opportunity Zone, um, not actually not a whole lot different than, than 1031 exchanges in our universe. I see people doing stuff that I'm just not sure... Uh, is a great project, right? And and they're they're stretching assumptions, they're doing all these things, and then when you overlay the tax benefit, the return makes sense, and and that's where you can really really get yourself into trouble. And I and I've seen that happen time and time again on ten thirty one exchanges. Um, you know, so, something that's that hits very close to home. So, so with us. So we own, we own a development site in uh, downtown Long Beach. It's a great location. It's a few blocks from the beach. It's a very prime location. Um, This property is located within an opportunity zone. And we've done a number of different iterations on what we could do there because we've got some, it's, it's zoned very fabulously. So we could do a lot of different things there. And when we were looking at, Developing it as an opportunity zone, and when it is opportunity zone, that's the first place you go, right? Well, yeah, we look at all these great taxes. We're not going to pay because for those that don't know, when you develop an opportunity zone property, um, after a five-year hold, you you get different tiered tax reliefs. So by the time you have held the project for ten years, uh, that tax for that project goes away. So that that's that's a big deal, right? Well, as we were evaluating this project and what we could do there and modeling it and modeling the returns and, you know, modeling the effective rate of return and internal rate of return and all these different things that you use to measure the validity of the project, um, the our models were telling us that selling it at five years, and paying the tax was more beneficial than waiting 10 years and not paying tax. And, and that's including additional appreciation, additional rental income collection, all these things. And, you know, we, we couldn't quite figure out why. And, and just in passing in a conversation with uh, our attorney and discussing opportunity zones and what we were seeing, um, it was very eye-opening because she she mentioned that she has other clients that are running into the same thing, and the reason that it wasn't making sense was because the property that we have, it's it's almost too good and it's too valuable. And so we're adding so much value by doing the project, the bulk of the gain is being obtained just by doing the project, not the residual income and not the tax benefit. And so that was very eye-opening and and really brought me to kind of where we're at today of you know if we do this project we're not we're not going to market it as an opportunity zone project. We're going to market it on its own merits and we're and we're going to move on. And and that's where you know if you think about what the spirit of oppor- the opportunity zone Legislation, as part of the JOG Act, is designed to do. It's designed to stimulate growth in these areas that wouldn't normally see it.
1: Right, right, and so a a couple of things you said there. I mean, the assessment or judgment that has to be made is net, net, where we would be treated best. Right. I mean, you don't go and do something just because it has a tax advantage if the overall output of the decision is inferior to a decision that didn't carry that supposed advantage, right? I mean, net, net, where are you going to be treated best? And the other part that I believe is very important, and, and you alluded to this, is that all of these projects are ground up. Do I have that correct? They're, they're all ground up. They're not going concerns, yes. right? Yes. So depending on the needs of the investor for current income or, or whatever, we have to be mindful that time has value as well. So if you're investing in something that's ground up, that takes time to get approvals and, and build and complete, um, it could be a long time before that investment produces anything in terms of income, which is a a, a pretty obvious consideration for anybody who wants some right so time has value as well it's not just the tax treatment
0: that that's absolutely right and that time and when you're calculating you know internal rate of return and looking at all these things you're you're trying to you're trying to take that into account and and making sure that if i'm you know if i'm signing up for 10 years you know, what, what are, what are the measure, what are the merits of this project? Right. And not just, Hey, it's opportunity zone. So it's, it's gotta make sense and it's gotta be a great deal. What happens if you invest in this project and does it make, you know, and it doesn't go, it goes sideways. You know, would you invest in the project if it wasn't opportunity zone? And that's the biggest thing for me because I feel like, you know, the project is the cake and the tax benefit, in this case, opportunity zone, is the icing. And if you're just doing it because of the icing, that that's very, very dangerous.
1: Well, that one hit home because you know honestly the icing is my favorite part. I mean, when when we when we have birthday cake. So, um, but but I but I get your point. It's well taken, and I think you know ultimately we wind up having a a very similar discussion every time we talk, which is incentives matter, and we know they matter because they drive people's behavior sometimes to the detriment of the goals they're pursuing. Right. So. Incentives need to be paid attention to because they do shape behavior and not just the behavior of the investor. Think about, you know, the developer or the, you know, the, the, the contractor that's managing the product or project that needs to attract investment dollars. The incentive is there to be marketed as well. And so I, I think what we're saying here is do your homework. The concept of Opportunity Zone that incentivizes investment in distressed areas makes sense. But the project should really be that which we're evaluating in terms of do we want to be invested here? <laughs> right? What is the project? How's What's the time frame? When, if ever, does it produce income? I mean, what is my expected outcome for doing this investment?
0: That, that's a great point as we as we you know round the home stretch on this episode. you know one of the things that we didn't really touch on, um, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not a tax expert on opportunity zones, but what I do know is that there are real milestones that need to be met to, to continually be able to defer and ultimately eliminate the tax when you when you invest in a opportunity zone development. And when you do that and you sign up for that, you assume that it's going to go on schedule and the, the sponsor, the developer, whomever is going to hit those milestones. You know, what happens if a milestone gets missed, but, you know, the project still gets up, gets worked out. Something happens with your tax. You know, that was something that we looked at very, very closely was you know, what is our liability on the tax side of this thing? What if something doesn't happen? What if we have an, you know, all these what if scenarios uh, and, th- and those are real. And, and what happens if that developer a couple years in realizes, hey, this isn't gonna produce like we thought, um, we're gonna wind it down or, you know, we're just not gonna give it our full attention. We've moved on to another project. There's all these things that can happen and you need to be able to say hey i still believe in this project even if the tax thing doesn't work out um and i and i feel like there's going to be a bit of a reckoning on that you know down the road in a few years
1: absolutely so uh do your homework i think i think that's the uh that's the takeaway here is that incentives matter and they drive behavior and they can short circuit the diligence that really should be done Um, at a bare minimum consult with somebody who's unbiased and able to give you some advice on whether what you're seeking to do fits overall with, with your strategy.
0: Complete, completely agree. I'll always, always do your homework. Well, this has been a great episode, Matt. It's always fun to talk about these different things with you and, and share our different insights Uh, For everybody that's listening, you're listening to the Passive Income Investor Podcast with Matt Doran and Aaron Merriman. And today we discussed Opportunity Zones. Uh, Join us next time. And for those of you that this might be the first episode, uh, this is our fifth episode. So uh, take a look. We've got some other great topics out there uh, as well. Thanks again. For more information on LMDG, you can visit lmdg.net. And for examples of some of our projects or see more videos from Matt and I, you can also visit youtube.com backslash lmdgre or you can email me directly at amerriman at lmdg.net. For more information on Sage Wealth Planning, you can visit sagewealthplans or you can email Matt directly at mdoran.com at Sage Plans with